Thank you for that. Uh, Psalm 29 this evening, please. I guess we're going to start the holiday season and winter in the same weekend. So, what a rude, <clears throat> what a rude greeting that has been. Psalm number twenty-nine. Let's go ahead and stand, please. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you as always for your words to us for this beautiful song and pray that it would minister to our hearts, to our minds, to our understanding of you and of our lives, that it would nourish us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may, of course, be seated. Well, this is obviously a psalm of David. That title is part of the inspired record, Psalm of David. There is no context given, as we find in many of the Psalms. David does not appear to be under any external pressure. He doesn't appear to be afraid. He doesn't appear to be at war. So there's nothing that we can attach it to. Sometime during his 70-year life and during his reign, God had him write this song. It is a call to worship. It is the call of a king to worship the king of kings. There are 11 stanzas, <clears throat> obviously they cannot be divided equally. Um, and the psalm doesn't really lend itself to that. It, it really tends to flow thematically more than anything else. Uh, God's glory is mentioned four times. God's voice is mentioned seven times. That God is Jehovah is mentioned 18 times, or Jehovah is God. The one who is, is the mightiest of the mighty. 
And so we will look at the contents of this psalm under three headings that each of them provides us with something to know and something to do. From verses 1 and 2, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Because Jehovah alone is the Lord, he should be worshipped. Because Jehovah alone is the Lord, he alone should be worshipped. The psalm begins by telling us to give, and the word means to recognize or to ascribe. And, and this will matter, I think, a little bit at the end of the song. But, but we're not being told to give something to God in the sense of handing something over to him. There's a time and a place for that. But, but that's not really what the invitation is. The, the call is an invitation to acknowledge, to recognize, to, to ascribe, to say back to God what we know the facts to be. And this is a call to the mighty. And there's a real, rather technical explanation for that, folks. What David is doing, David the king of Israel is invoking the angels to do this. The mighty there are not mighty people. They are not the princes of humanity. These are the same people who are the sons of God. And so David is doing something that to us, this is realistically something that we are, most of us in our modern scientific world are just a little in awkward in navigating uh, not simply the reality but trying to come to an understanding of the role that angelic beings played. There are an unknowable amount of various kinds of angels that God has created doing various kinds of things. We know from books like Daniel, that some of them have been charged with overseeing countries and empires. We know from books like Hebrews that they are his ministering spirits and that he sends them to minister his word to us. We know that there were angels who ministered to Jesus after he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. It was angels that came. And took care of him, that tended to him. So there is, folks, and, and, and I, we, I don't think that we can speak to it with any kind of definitive clarity as to what exactly they do. But there is a whole other world of creatures that are higher than humans. That God has made for his purposes. And it is to them that this psalm in its introduction begins Mighty refers to the angels, to spirit beings, to the sons of God. Psalm 89.6, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty, there it is, can be likened unto the Lord? Or Job 38.7, that passage that we all know, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The angelic beings were reveling in God's creation when he created the heaven and the earth. And so this is the, this is the invocation of verses 1 and 2 that all of the heavenly host 
recognize that Jehovah alone is the Lord and that he should be worshipped. Ascribe to Jehovah the glory that is due his name. Worship Jehovah in the beauty of holiness. Proclaim his strength. Recognize his authority. And so David begins by summoning the angels to worship him. Certainly we are expected to worship as well. But again, folks, the psalm begins by calling a higher level of being than us to worship Jehovah. He alone, he alone is the Lord. He alone is worthy of worship. None of the angels, when John fell at the feet of an angel, the angel said, you need to stand up. I am not God. I worship God myself. Jehovah is the only Lord. He has no peers. He has no equal. As David will say in Psalm 103, Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye minister of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So the very first invitation of the song is to worship Jehovah alone, for he alone is Lord. In verses 3 through 10, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters, the God of glory thundereth. The water is upon, the, the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calf and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. So the first invitation, the first fact to know is God alone is, Je- is the Lord and he should be worshipped Jehovah is powerful in his voice and he should be heard. Jehovah is powerful in his voice and should be heard. David uses a severe thunderstorm as an illustration. There are places in which the Bible tells us, for instance, Revelation tells us that the voice of Jesus was like the voice of many waters. But David here is not saying, you know, storms are like God's voice. David is saying here, God's voice is like a storm. When God speaks, things really happen. When God speaks... Things really happen. The voice of Jehovah, if you go back to verse number 3, is upon the waters. He speaks and the waters move. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. It is impressive is the idea. Majestic. Impressive. Stately. Dignified. 
these are really folks, these are, these are concepts that in 21st century America don't really carry a lot of weight. We don't, we don't tend to think of people in those ways and we don't tend to have a lot of respect for those ways. We, 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 we tend to, to, to uh, discount. We, we, just, we, we are just more informal about many of those kinds of things. But it was a very important sentiment in David's world. People were revered for being majestic and statesmanlike and dignified. And when God speaks, his voice does things like break cedars, verse number five. The cedars of Lebanon, and you know that the cedars of Lebanon are renowned in the Bible as mighty and impressive trees. The Lebanese flag, two red stripes and a white stripe in the middle, still has a picture of a cedar on it. That is part of its claim to fame. And even in our modern world, it is not uncommon, you know, in which we have, like Lebanon has, like we have, cut down as many trees as they can, as fast as they can. It is not uncommon for a cedar of Lebanon to be 100 feet tall. Six feet in diameter. These are massive trees. And God's voice can just snap them and break them in half. His voice can make mountains dance. And, and that's the imagery. Whether David is referring to some kind of a volcano or some kind of shaking, it is dancing there. Verse number six, he maketh them also to skip like a calf Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn, which is one of those words we don't really know. We know that it wasn't a unicorn as in fairy tale unicorn, but exactly what it was we don't know. But Lebanon and Syrian are mountain ranges. David knew them well. God can break the, the trees, uh, <clears throat> the redwoods of California. God can break them in half. God can make the Rocky Mountains tremble just simply by using his voice. His voice can bring out fire. Verse number 7, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames of the fire. That's a word that was used to describe the work of masons who would cut up stones, big rocks, into manageable pieces. And God can parcel out fire through the sound of of his voice. He can send fiery lightning where he wills. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It shakes even the wilderness, verse number eight, the wilderness of Kadesh. It shakes even uninhabited places. Again, folks, this is one of those things that we should give some consideration to. It was one of the questions that God asked Job when Job had kind of come to the place of concluding that he was being mistreated, misunderstood, didn't have an audience with God. And one of the questions God, in effect, asked him is, why are there wild animals? They don't do anything. They won't listen to you. You can't domesticate them. You can't tame them. Why are they there? And here the psalmist goes down the same path. The voice of the Lord reaches to the uninhabited places. God shakes places where there are no people. What's the difference 
if the desert moves, the Sahara Desert moves at the voice of the Lord. Nobody lives in the Sahara Desert, but, but it is God's desert, and it is God's voice, and it is God's will to speak where he will and do what he wishes. It is his voice, verse number 9, the voice of the Lord make the hinds to calf. It is his voice that causes the animals to give birth. And it is his voice that discovereth the forest. And again, discover is one of those words that we hear and we think to find. But what it actually means is to uncover or to strip bare. It is the voice of the Lord who strips the leaves off of the trees. Dale Ralph Davis puts it this way of verses 3 through 9. It's as if David says, look at what mighty items his voice destroys. What massive items he moves. What range of creation he affects. From the timid doe to whole forests. It is all his, folks. It is all his. It is his earth. We saw this morning that he created it, that it shouts his glory. It is all his. Every grain of sand, every drop of water, every living creature. And in his temple, verse number 9, and in his temple there appears to be one topic of discussion, and that is his glory. That is his glory. In his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. This is what they talk about. What an amazing God he is. How powerful, how majestic, how powerful, how stately, how dignified. You should be worshipped by all you have created. You should be worshipped by the angels. There is none like you. You have no peer. Look at what your voice does. And of course we know, folks, that from the very beginning, from the beginning of our beginning, that all things have come about through the word of the Lord. It was his word that made nothing something. It is his word that brings about salvation. It is his word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That is what we behold, his word in a body form. It is the voice of the Lord. And indeed, verse 29.10, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. This is got to be, folks, the flood of Noah's day. And in fact, it's no injustice to the grammar of verse number 10 to think of it this way. The Lord sat upon the flood. He was ruling at the time of the flood. He is a king forever. He is always a king, will be forever the king. Jehovah, and again, in our Bibles, you know that the word Lord in all, lower, in all small caps is Jehovah. The one who exists by himself. The I am that I am. Who are you? I am just the one that is. My existence is myself. I, I require no outside nourishment or sustenance. I need no food. I breathe no air. I drink no water. I just exist. And I keep myself existing eternally. This section opens and begins with the idea of waters. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The Lord sitteth, in verse number three, the Lord sitteth upon the flood. 
He is a universal God of all power who controls his creation with his words. He should be worshipped. He should be heard. And that brings us to verse number 10. In which all of these great, marvelous, majestic thoughts. Hey, angels, worship Jehovah. Look at what his voice can do. Verse number 10. Or verse number 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Jehovah uses his strength for the benefit of his people. This is the third theme of the psalm. Jehovah alone is Lord. He should be worshipped. The voice of Jehovah is strong. It should be heard. He uses the strength of his voice for the benefit of his people. He should be sought. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now I mentioned at the very beginning when when David said give unto the Lord that the idea of the word there is to ascribe or to recognize or to give credit. It's not the idea of handing something over tangible. And I made a big deal out of that because when you get to verse number 11 it is a completely different concept. Here it is something tangible, if you will. It is not simply recognition. It is something that God gives out of his strength to us. The Lord will give. He will hand over. He will deliver. He will make available. He will put it at their disposal. He will give strength to his people. He is not simply, folks, verse number 10, a king who reigns over devastating power. Right? It's not like, and I want to, Treat this carefully, right? It's, it's not like God is some kind of trillionaire and everybody should look at him and respect him because he's a trillionaire, but he's never going to give a penny to anybody for anything. He just has the money and he enjoys it. He's not that kind of a king. He is a king who is going to use his power and his might for the benefit of his people. So he will give them strength. And he will bless them with peace. Not simply a voice that reigns. A God who sustains. One who gives us what we need. He he said in Deuteronomy 33.25 Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. And as thy days so shall thy strength be. And this has been God's promise to us long folks. Not that we would have a always trouble-free life, but who wouldn't like to have that? But that his grace and strength will be there in our trouble. That is the Bible promise. That is what we should always expect. Paul said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he blesses his people with peace. And again, this is a theme that the New Testament authors take and run with. Jesus said, I'm going to give you my peace. Not like the world gives. This is not the peace of materialistic affluence. This is not the peace of everything going your way every time you want it to. This is a peace that I give. It is, Paul called it, a peace that passes 
understanding, a peace that comes from God. And is God's great gift to his people. <clears throat> Turn back, if you would, <clears throat> to Psalm 28. <clears throat> Beginning in verse number 6, we have an illustration of how we should worship a God like this. <clears throat> he should be worshipped. He is the only true Lord. His power is beyond description. It moves mountains and breaks trees and brings floods. And yet it is directed to our benefit, not our destruction. Psalm 28, 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. We sing and we pray and we worship this God. Let's pray together this evening. Our Father, thank you for all that you are and Father, may we be very receptive to hearing about the glories of your power and your strength. You are not speaking from ego. You are instructing us about the great power that is available to us, the power that made our salvation possible through Christ, that sustains our faith, through so many trials that will shine at the latter day and result in our salvation, that encourages us in our despondency and makes us fruitful in our ministry. Your strength, your God. You alone are great. You alone are to be worshipped. May we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>